0: White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 759. Another tough loss in Baton Rouge. How do we feel this week? The AU wishbone is next. We welcome you to the and Hair Stadium for tonight's game. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Who's in the mood for some football? Yo, yo, yo. Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone.
0: From the palatial White Rocket Studios in southern Illinois and eastern Virginia. It's the AU Wishbone Podcast. John, how are you tonight? Very well, Van. How are you? I am your host, Van Allen Plexico. I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm John Ringer. And John, I'm not great. I think that our old fun meter will will bear that out for me. But we have no choice, no option but to stay the course and continue on. But we'll talk about tonight how we feel about all of that and where we think things are going break it all down and we have some news some stuff all kind of things going on tonight to talk about and get into so first up as always before we do anything else i have to hit the that's the new fun meter sound for this week yeah The
1: not-so-fun meter?
0: Yeah, it was not a good week for the fun meter or for being an Auburn fan this week. Uh, 48-18, to I believe, loss in Death Valley in Baton Rouge, Les Batons Rouges. Um, Not a fun time on Saturday evening. I did not have fun. No, no. So where would that place your fun meter right now? It's a little
1: bit of basketball preseason in the air. (laughs) That helps. That's going to pull me up by like half a point.
0: Yeah. I'm going to say three. Yeah, I'm pretty much a two. I haven't really heard anything about basketball I, yet.
1: I, yeah, I was going to say, this is Monday night, okay? Yeah. I have risen to a three. Yes.
0: <laughs> Congratulations <laughs> it, on It was a peaking. negative five. Yeah. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. Um, well, we've got a lot to say about that. So let's go ahead and get into it then the LSU game, and we'll talk about Ole Miss coming up, we'll talk about a few other things, but I do, I do want to do a little post-mortem here on LSU. John, this is a game I expected us to lose. The only time that I really felt like we had a chance was right after we played Georgia, and I thought, wow, you know, hey. And then I remembered it's in Baton Rouge, and I'm like, well, you know, hey. But... Uh, I expected us to lose. The problem was how we went about losing, looking like we actually regressed over the off week rather than progressing. And I want to go ahead and say this now, even though I put it way further down, I think, in the notes or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I, we, we talked about this before the season ever started and said that, you know, we were talking about how would how would we view this se- – How what would make this season a success? Because yes. we didn't think what we were going to go success? out Do what? Go,
1: what is success? Go.
0: Yeah, what is success? And we didn't think we were going to come out and go 11-1 or anything. But we said, if it looks like we're getting better, we're improving, we're competitive, um, if we're moving forward. And I just ask, do we look that way now? No. No. So this season is not, has not been a success so far because I, we haven't progressed. No. But, I mean, the,
1: it's that... But it's also the ultimate end goal is always recruiting. Yes. And so, and we're going to talk about this, what we're doing in the field, and that is related in different ways. If we recruit and have a great recruiting class, then the end goal is to be competitive in the SEC, but that may be two years from now. Yeah. Um, And so that, you know, we're achieving the long term goal, but in the short term, it's not pleasant. I did not have fun Saturday night. I was you, not happy with the product on the field.
0: Well, here's the thing. You can you can lose and look competent, but we are losing and looking incompetent. John's doing the kind of, yes, pointy I, finger thing.
1: I would describe our offense in all three road games as looking incompetent.
0: Yes. I mean, again, we had, we've, we've played strong teams. We, we don't have a right to expect to win. But they should all have looked more like the Georgia game and less like the LSU game. But let's be clear,
1: Cal is not turned out not to be a good team.
0: Well, right. I, I, I wouldn't think and, about Cal. I was thinking about the and three, we, the last three.
1: We looked the same in yeah. that game as we did in these two other games. We we at the time we threw it off. It's that it's late. It's West Coast. Mm. All stuff. We just had three games where the road games where the offense is
0: abysmal. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and. And it's starting to wear on the defense. I mean, at least for a while there, yeah. we felt like the defense could keep us going, but there's only so much they can do against a, an offense like LSU and they're not getting any help. I want to talk about this. I, we've seen this movie before, Van. Mm-hmm. We've, you and I have had this
1: conversation. The defense mm-hmm. has been holding on and holding on and holding on while the offense doesn't deliver anything. Eventually. I, we've done this song and dance a few times.
0: Yes, we have. And
1: I 100% believe that the defense's performance was partially related to the way the offense got blitzed off
0: the field the first couple series. And that's the thing is that Freeze understood that was a possibility. I mean, he it's he's not stupid. He went into the game with the plan of controlling the ball and keeping our defense off the field as much as possible. The problem was the way they went about trying to do it didn't work.
1: Yes. And I, w- I want to talk about that for a second because one of the things that would, there are a couple of ways ways they could make the offense better. And one of the ways, and the players talked about this in the post game. one of the ways they could definitively make the offense work better and look better is playing at tempo. And they know it, and the players know it. But mm. they're not doing it mm. because we're only going to lose bigger faster if we do that. The defense is good, is undermanned and thin and injured and is going to get more quickly blown off the field by teams like Ole Miss. We will look more competent if we move at tempo in offense, but we're not doing it on purpose.
0: Yeah, it really poses quite the dilemma. And, and Freeze talked about that in the press conference and afterward this week, that, that he's like, you know, like you just said, he feels like we could do a lot better that way, but also it would hurt us the other way because it would put our defense back on the field too much. And he's like, I don't know if that's. He said, basically, he said he's, not, he's coming around the idea that maybe that wouldn't be any worse. And I mean, against Ole Miss, for sure, that uh, I don't. In other words, let me put it this way I don't know that our defense is going to stop Ole Miss anyway. So you might as well score as many points as you can.
1: Well, it's like, what was the minimum number of points we were going to hold LSU to in this game? I told, I talked in the pre- last week about mm-hmm. the lowest they had scored was 24, and that was to Florida State. So at home, when mm-hmm. they're playing better, probably 30 was the best we could hope for. So how is our offense going to get to 30? <laughs>
0: and, yeah. Well, there was a moment there where it seemed possible. There was a moment there when we got the, the touchdown, the two-point conversion. I'm like, hey.
1: We had our best drive of the season home or away in this game. Mm -hmm. And in the LSU game it was by far our best drive of the season. It was that drive. We drove all the way down the field and scored and got the two-point conversion. It was a big drive for this team.
0: Well, for about two and a half quarters well, all right, let me back up. The first two possessions we looked as inept as any football team ever has. On both sides of the field. Yes, the the yeah, the offense, the band should have been playing da, 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 when our offense was on the field the first two times. But once it was, I hate to say this, once it was 17 to nothing, though, it's, again, this and this is going to sound familiar to you, but that sounds like we're talking about a 1990s game with Florida. But once it was 17 to nothing then it suddenly for about a quarter and a half two quarters seemed like we knew what we were doing and could make a game of it we got, i believe we got it to like 17 to 7 and 20 to 10 it was or something 20 like 20 to that. 10 it was 20 yeah. to 10 and i thought hold them make them punt score a touchdown it's 20 to 17 and it's anybody's game and instead they went touchdown touchdown and it was forget it so there was a moment there where it seemed doable and i feel like if we hadn't come out and just fallen flat on our face the first two possessions just determined to make the Peyton Thorn passing game a thing when it's not really two two possessions six passes two punts yeah and negative 10 yards the 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 yardage was so bad on the first two possessions that i think it was our 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 scoring drive our first scoring drive had more yards of offense than our entire game including that drive to that point because that drive was like 68 and every drive before it was negative 10 so we made like 68 yards on that drive but when you included that 68 in the negative 10 our entire offense for the game was only 58 that's hard to do that's like having a time machine that's like Les Miles came out in bent reality or something it just doesn't make any sense. So, um, you noted that the game really was played in three phases. That's kind of what we're talking about now. So, go ahead and flesh that out if you ha- if we have not I mean, already.
1: Again, the phase one was the blitz. Yes, we, you know we got we got off the we had a week off. We had the Georgia game and a week off, and we can, we showed up in the first five seconds of that game and look like we weren't ready and LSU was ready and they Mm. were going a hundred miles an hour. Mm. You know, if it was a boxing match, they were like, we're going to knock this guy out in the, in the first 10 seconds before he gets his feet under him. And that's what they did.
0: It was Mike Tyson in the first round. Yeah. Yes,
1: exactly. They were Mike Tyson and we were Buster Douglas. Mm. and No, that's the wrong one. We were a Sphinx or a Sphinx or one of those. And so they, um, they, they blitzed us. We had nothing on offense. We couldn't complete a pass, and on defense, you know, they quickly rolled up and down the field. And like you said, it was seventeen nothing before we got our feet under us. In that middle portion of the game, you talk about we settled down, we got some stops, we closed the game to twenty to ten. But it, from that point on, their offense cruised. We couldn't stop them, and we barely got a, a you know another enough offense going after that. So.
0: Um. So, yeah, I had different feelings. I, I, I first was just humiliated. I was like, this is bad. This is embarrassing. I felt like we were squandering all the goodwill we'd gotten from the Georgia game, right? The narrative coming out of the Georgia game is, well, hey, maybe Auburn's not so bad. They really look like they know which end of the football is which. Look at them. They kind of know what they're doing for a change. And now we went out there and just gave it all away again. And that was, was so frustrating about it was just knowing that people were like, "Yeah, we were right all along about Auburn, oh, old Auburn man," you know, and just there's one step forward and then two steps back, and it just killed me. Um, yeah. So, but on the I other, thought I thought you you compared it to those die games against early Spurrier,
1: and I yes. thought that was very a very good comparison.
0: Yeah, the the die games, and then and then a little bit of Terry, not the good Terry ones though, the the <laughs> the later bad ones. The the Chris During ones, you know, but mm. um, where it, it just seemed like we were never going to have enough offense to keep up with them. And and those teams, though, the problem was those Auburn teams had an offense. They just couldn't for a couple of years there keep up with with, with those offenses at of Florida. But it turned out to only be like a four- or five-year run anyway. But but I had a counterpoint, though, that, that some fans are acting like the whole season is garbage, and I'm like, did the, did, the, did this just make the Georgia game not happen? I mean, there have been some really good Auburn teams that have gone down to Tiger Stadium and looked bad, like the 1988 team, the 2017 team, and dare I say, um, the 2013 team that played for the National Championship got their tail beat. LSU yeah, ran all uh, over them.
1: I don't believe any of them got beat this badly.
0: No, no, that's true. But.
1: and, and it, it, go, it goes back to what you said, okay? If we looked competent and they blew us out of the stadium because they were awesome, hey, that's fine. But offensively, we don't look that way. No. We uh, you know, on an, here's the deal with, I, I'm really frustrated about the offense right now. I'm not going to mm-hmm. hide it. I'm upset. Objectively, on a straight comparative basis, we're worse than the Harson offense before he got fired last year. Yeah, this team is worse than that team on offense. And on a per, when you normalize it for who we played and how and where we played, you know, we're one of the bottom 20 offenses in of college football. We have the worst passing offense in the Power Five. The worst. I'd hate to think Iowa a team had a on worse the back one than this. Quarterback and they look worse than us, and, and we look worse than them.
0: I would, I would hate right. to think anybody had a worse offense than this. My gosh. So I'm just. So he, this is the question
1: I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. There, there's three options for freeze and them on offense. Okay, one is. Run the style of offense that Fries and Montgomery want to, to demonstrate to recruits, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to use you. You can see yourself in the role of this guy over here, and you'll be better than him, okay? That's kind of what we're doing. Option B is do what the team can do and what best suits the players and will keep us in the games, which probably means doing what we were doing with Robbie at the end of last season,
0: yeah. okay? yeah.
1: Option C is try to do both of those things. And I think this is kind of what we're trying to do. And the offense is bad. It's, you know, it's not good. Um, And I, you know, did you see anything in that game that makes you think it's suddenly going to get better?
0: Yes. I saw that it looked like in the second half Freeze took the play calling away from uh, Montgomery. I may be completely wrong but every time they showed Freeze in the second half he had a sheet in front of him and was pointing to it and talking and I never see that usually. I also think
1: the other thing they did is and I'm all in on this is they were very clear about we're going to play different guys. Yeah. They replaced two of the offensive linemen in the second half. They replaced the center and uh, Xavier Miller the, the right tackle. Um, They played the freshman Connor Lewis Center. And then we saw a lot of the young running back, the freshman running back uh, Mm -hmm. in the game and a lot less Hunter. Um, And we saw them basically do live auditions on the field for wide receiver. (laughs) Because what happens is in the game.
0: Hey, bring people down from the stands, man. That's fine.
1: Well, we had they had everybody lined up on the sideline and this is what happened. We threw those two slants to Camden Brown mm-hmm. and then the LSU corners came up and said, Okay, we're gonna play close now. So the pass that's open at that point is kind of the fade where the, the receiver breaks to the sideline and the quarterback throws it over the defensive back's head, and you have to be kind of a dude to go get that pass. Or kind of the you know, this the back shoulder throw stop thing, which requires some real close coordination between the quarterback and the receiver that we don't have and you saw in this game they threw that fade pass about six times with different guys they tried it with fairweather mm-hmm. they tried it with their uh nick Martner, they tried it with uh hicks um and they tried it with uh, somebody else and then it uh later on they got it with uh, malcolm johnson uh mm-hmm. but all those other guys they didn't get it and they didn't throw the ball to them again yeah like well, they, and the, they literally were running guys out there. They run that pad with him. Up, oh, didn't
0: work. Here, have a seat. And the backup tight end had two huge catches. Frazier,
1: yes, he's a big, tall guy who is supposed to be a good
0: receiver, and we're using him like that now. I hope so. I mean, again, I feel like this team has weapons, and it's just you know, it's like when we used to have Gus, and we would just be screaming, "Use the weapons we have! Stop trying to do, you know." plan A and plan B, just use what you've got. It would always take him to game three or four to do that. And I'm wondering if we're starting to maybe think about doing that. Well, now. I think
1: they're definitely cycling through the weapons and the ones that don't work. So this is my, what I was going to say is that I, that I believe and I think that's what they're going to do is as we move through the second half of the season, if you're a player that's going to help right now and in the future, you're going to play. Mm-hmm. If not, thank you for your contribution. Yeah. Um, and so this is now we're at the point where we have to have a conversation, Van. Yeah. What's going on with Jarquez Hunter?
0: Guess, is it time to talk to your children about Jarquez Hunter? It probably is it never is. time to talk to your children about Jarquez Hunter. Um, <laughs> well, only in the sense of what not to do on the internet. That's right. Um, well, he's always been kind of an enigma, kind of a mystery, because you know he backed up Tank. And was able to come in and do kind of the change up a little bit, and from that we decided he was the next big thing, but you know and he's had his moments. He was there were games last year that he was more impressive than tank, but I don't know what's going on this year, but he does not seem like his old now he may have been banged up a little bit. is that again, he was held out. For suspension not
1: because of injury yeah but he averaged over six yards of carry in 2021 and 2022 mm-hmm. and he's averaging like three and a half yards of carry now the same guy
0: but i don't feel like all season we've lined up and tried to run the ball i feel like we've used the run this season as an as an accessory as a complementary piece I don't well, feel like we've lined up and tried to just man the ball down the field like we. have. You are
1: correct. Ball. We do, I mean, we don't. We definitely have not done that thing where we all knew like Gus would get stubborn mm-hmm. and basically be like, "We're going to run the ball. We're just going to keep running it. We're going to keep running it uh, until we get it right." Basically, and and I think even at the, like at the end of last year they gave up on the passing game and they. Came. But here's the other part that I don't see in the running game at all is there's no deception in the running game. When yeah. we're running the ball, you kind of know what's happening. There's no body, There's no misdirection. There's nobody cutting the other way. There's no. We're faking it to somebody else. Like when we run the ball, we're handing it to the running back and he's running in the hole, and that's what's happening. So,
0: what wasn't the idea that Montgomery would come in and make Freeze's offense better? And I feel like he's come in and made it worse. I, the, it's clear crue- this is
1: the other thing. Like I want to stay on Hunter, but I want to come back to that point about the the field marshal where we're not mm. calling him that anymore.
0: No, we're not. He but doesn't get that button anymore.
1: In the same in the same offense behind the same offensive line, Hunter's averaging three and a half yards a carry, Brian Batiste's averaging four point eight, mm. Cobb's averaging six and a half, and Dwight wow. Alston's averaging five. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same offensive line, same plays. Hunter is doing the worst of the running back. So I think, like, it is what it is. I, you have to let go of what you thought he could be or what you wanted him to be. And I think we got to play Battee and Cobb a lot more than we're playing Hunter right now.
0: I, now, to be fair, I think some of it is that when Hunter goes in, the defense just thinks he's going to get the ball they jump on him. Whereas those other guys go in and there's a little more mystery as where the ball's going to go. When Hunter's in there, he's, I feel like there's a big likelihood he's going to be given the ball. And, and like you said, there were, without any kind of deception or anything to help him.
1: That's fair. It, maybe it would be a little predictable with him in the game.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I know they self-scouted some in the off week. I was hoping that was going to help, but I feel like it didn't. They look for their own tendencies, you know, and so forth. But, uh, but I,
1: I think Batie and Cobb have both shown me a lot more. And we saw a lot from Walton yes. before he was hurt. But they said today he's not close again. Like they thought he'd be back, and it's not going to be right away.
0: So no, I, I would have been surprised. I mean, with a separated shoulder, I mean, you just sure it just takes time because you'll just get hurt again. And you don't want that. That's right. But I, so do you agree with me? Would you play Batie
1: and Cobb more than Hunter right now?
0: Yeah, or would give Hunter. Or would you be more deliberate and give Hunter a chance? If I gave Hunter more chances, it would be doing different things. I don't, I don't think you got to run him into the scrum every time. I mean, what have they really done with him creatively? But, I mean, you know, I, see, here's the funny thing about me in offense, right? I'm an offensive coach. You're the defensive coach. Everybody knows that. But the funny thing about me is our fan base hates screen passes. You know that? Our fan base has a phobia about screen passes. I don't care, and I would do that a lot. I love them. I think they're great. I th- I love well, everything I about them. The, again, there's a lot of different kind of screen passes, right? Yeah.
1: The the kind that our fan that our fans get upset about is kind of the perimeter screen where you have three receivers out there, the little bubble screen on the left or the right, where you think yeah, out
0: there. like the little wide receiver but, screen, and you, yeah, you they don't block, yeah.
1: But what teams are doing now a lot is they'll have that kind of bunch thing that looks like the wide receiver screen, and then the guys who are blockers and are running downfield, and they often get open and throw it to those guys. That's what a lot of teams are doing. You see that sort a bunch in like the Washington-Oregon game. But... And then the, then the kind of screens that we ought to be doing, especially with Batee, is like the old school screen mm-hmm. where you literally have the linemen out in front of them and you're dropping it off to the running back in a way where they can get some speed up and get behind the lineman, and they're not you know, all the way out on the perimeter or whatever. I think Batee or, or uh, Cobb or Hunter, either one, could, could be really productive in that kind of thing. But we don't do that. Again, we have not. The misdirection thing is real. Like We haven't run a reverse We're not even pretending like that's an option. Like, we don't have guys coming across the formation. You're thinking about it. Um, So, if somebody runs, it's going to be the, the, the tailback or the quarterback. Those are the only two choices.
0: This feels a lot like the beginning of the 2016 season when we were just getting slaughtered in the backfield every play. Remember that? -hmm. Texas A&M killed us. Clemson killed us. The first two games just destroyed us in the backfield. The thing about screens and things like that is, it's it's ways to take pressure off the quarterback. And Lord knows if there's anything we need to be doing right now, it's taking pressure off the quarterback. We we need to be because the 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 cool again the good thing it does, it gives the quarterback um, an option to get rid of the ball, (laughs) an easy throw and a way to get rid of the ball. when he's under pressure, and it then makes the defense slow down and think twice about pinning the ears back, coming trying to kill him the next time. And it over at the point of attack. I mean, there's just so many positives to it. I, I think it's great. I would run it all the freaking time. Y'all don't want me in charge of the offense. No. I'd be running screen great passes pass. every other play, especially with a questionable quarterback. My gosh. They did – we did play a lot of guys, right? So we played – Oh, I want to come back
1: to your point about Montgomery. Yeah. Before I keep going here. I one of the things that is really going on here is the idea that like, okay, Freeze and his guy from Liberty are, you know, competent. Montgomery's competent. Thorne's competent. And they, but the combination of them is not competent.
0: That's interesting. Right. I hadn't thought of it that way. Elaborate, please, while I'm trying to take. I my mean, it's from. like the, it's, it, the
1: sum is worse than the individual parts by themselves, right? If you took ah, the individual okay. parts and measured what you thought of them and then put them together, you'd think, okay, we'd be pretty good in offense. But we, you're, it's a, some of it may be a too many cooks in the kitchen thing, right?
0: Trying to it do too many, a, trying to make too many dishes, too many different dishes well, at the same time. You
1: know, but it's also like it's not Montgomery's offense. It's not Freeze's offense. It's this kind of mishmashy in between thing. Yeah. But the ultimate, I, the we talk a lot about what is the limiting factor, right? And we've said yeah. in a lot of years the limiting factor was the offensive line or whatever. But honestly, I think the limiting factor is the wide receivers. I just think we don't have the guys there. I don't think they can get open. I don't think they can make the tough plays. And I think it, you know they want to run an offense that shows that we're going to throw the ball, so these highly recruited wide receivers stay committed to us. Yes, but we don't have the guys to run it. Therefore, we look like dog crap running it. And so, I, I'm. This is my opinion right now as a frustrated Auburn fan, two days after the LSU game. But if you ask me to predict how many of the quarterbacks and wide receivers will be on next year's roster, it is a small number, and it's less than five out of the. <laughs> Both those both those positions put together.
0: No, yeah, I agree. Well, all right. We're going to talk about Ole Miss in just a minute, but I have some thoughts about that in terms of what do we want to keep doing. Because you were talking about which offensive strategy option do we want to go with. But this is the so this is where I want to get to the I want to give some grace
1: to the the team and the coaches, okay? Because the injury thing is real, right? And we think about it on defense because we got keys and we got Simpson and Masai Nasilikite and Pritch has been banged up and so the defense is clearly not 100% and that it mattered we could have used uh, Masai Nasilikite in this game holding up against some of those mm-hmm. LSU run plays and, and being a steady influence up there um, and Simpson you know, made a play but he was not 100% he could help with some better pass coverage and better tackling back there right but the offensive injuries are real too we said Alston looked like the best running back on this team when mm-hmm. he was healthy, and he's hurt. We could have used him in that game in a oh, big yeah. way. Yeah. And the guy who was the, our best returning receiver from the last year, Severus Johnson, hasn't played. He's a guy that is reliable and can get open and catch the ball against SEC teams, and he's not playing. So I think a, a little bit we got to think about that piece and say, though, you know, that matters right? I mean, those two guys would make a difference if they were playing t- in that game Saturday night. Not to win, but th- to make us look better.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's, again, that's kind of our goal right now is, if we know we're not going to win, which would have been extremely difficult in that game, for example, we just want to look competent and improving and worthy of new recruits coming in. Because the big fear to me was not losing to LSU because I figured we were going to lose to LSU. That, nothing nothing along those lines surprised me. My big fear was that we looked so incompetent and stupid that our recruits said, ah, I'm not going there. I'd just be wasting my career. I'll go to a real school. That's what I was worried about. That was, I was terrified about that. I just kept thinking, what are our recruits thinking right now? we got to turn this around. They get early playing time available. That's what they're I having. hope so. I hope so. Um. What have we not talked about for this game? The defense?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think um, one thing is I think in the Georgia game, the defense played incredibly hard and high, with a high level of intensity from mm. first snap to last snap, and we did not see that in this game. The injuries matter and stuff, but that thing is real. Um, they, the defense was caught as flat-footed at the beginning of the game as the offense was. They, that they that were not shocked me. They were not at the level they needed to play at at the start of the game, and LSU took advantage of that. They did, and the the, the big thing is we, you know, on the, we talked about talent at wide receiver and how we had to go get new guys. That you know, in the recruiting and stuff, the defensive line is is there. I mean, like we do not have enough difference makers in the defensive line by a long shot. I these guys play hard and all that stuff, and I like Harris, and I, then we got a true freshman out there, Falk, that played a bunch in this game, but when they show him on Cameron Paz, he looks like a linebacker. He's so thin, he, you know? So I think, um, we need a bunch more difference makers on the defensive line. Uh, we, you know, we got some freshmen that, you know, uh, uh Deron Reed's another guy that, you know, I want to see, uh, maybe get some play, but, we didn't get good push, and then we didn't. We talked last week about we have to contain him. You can't rush like a crazy person. And then right. what do we do? We rush like crazy people, and there were huge lanes all the time
0: for him. Yeah, yeah. There were several times that we got upfield, and then he was gone, which yeah. is exactly what we knew would happen. Um, yeah, that. I again, I I went into the game expecting that they were going to do a lot. I don't know if I thought forty-eight, but thirty-eight maybe, but. It just the the first seventeen though was just terrible. That was what really disappointed me, yeah, um what about the coaching you had a note i just i didn't again,
1: I thought we we weren't ready for the starting gun. I think that was i could we could put that on the coaches, right Their job is to have the team prepared to play at the level they need to when the game starts, and then the, you know to deal with the noise and the intensity of the atmosphere, that part too. they had practice for that, but snaps and false starts in the first couple of series were not good. And then yeah. we, at the end of the first half, we were, run, you know, we had Robbie in, we ran a few plays, we got close to midfield, and then with the clock running and two timeouts, they ran Robbie off and ran Thorn on, didn't call a timeout, wasted about 30 seconds, and then we threw two incomplete passes and didn't get a first down. And that I just—that's I, the first time this season when I've looked at kind of the game management piece and thought, "What are, I don't—what are we yeah, doing here?"
0: Yep, yep. Well, I, I feel—I feel strongly that when a team's offense is self-destructing and self-destructing, and then they hit the ultimate self-destruct button, which is the old snap the ball past the quarterback and everybody has to run back and dive on it like a hand grenade. When you get to that point, you are officially at, you know, offense malfunction, uh, malfunction junction. Basically, you have no, you know, th- th- that's that's like the death knell. When you can't mm-hmm. even c- take the snap and it just sails past the quarterback, that's when you just kind of look at the offense and go, "Yep, there is. That's that's it. They can't even they can't even do that." So. uh well, all right, that was the LSU game. I just as soon bury that in a put that in a box and drop it in the middle of the ocean somewhere and never think about Yuck it again. Mountain yeah, nuclear exactly. Waste site. Nuclear waste. Absolutely. Uh, we've got Ole Miss coming up and I John, I have zero reason to think this game will go any differently except that it is a night game in Jordan-Hare for the first time this season. So the question that we, you know, it's like every week we have a question. Against Georgia, it was what can we possibly do, right? And we did. We did all right. Against LSU, it was can we do that on the road at night in LSU? And the answer was not even close. No, we can't. Now the question is how much difference can it really make to the, to the, Way the game plays out and to the outcome of the game, to be at home at night for the first time, SEC after dark. How much difference will that make? I think it'll make a gigantic difference.
1: I think this. T- I, again, it's funny. Somebody was joking on uh, Twitter. The what would the spread be if home Auburn played road Auburn? Like, <laughs> be like at least ten points,
0: right? Oh, at least uh, dude, that? maybe
1: fourteen. So yeah. I just think we're. I think we're gonna play much better on both sides of the ball. The stadium and the crowd is going to make a huge difference, especially to the defense. But yeah. we also have to recognize this is not, you know, Georgia, this is a team much more like the team that played on Saturday.
0: Yeah, They're yep. a high-powered
1: yep. offensive team, and they are going to try to roll up and down the field on us.
0: Yep. Yeah, I, um, I don't have high hopes. I'm just hoping that it'll be more like the Georgia game where we come out of it holding our head high rather than coming out of it with a paper sack over our head, which is kinda how we felt after LSU. So that's my goal for the old Miss Game is to not be humiliated again on television. I think that's a good goal. Yeah.
1: They now they did lose at Alabama. And in that game, the big difference was Alabama stopped the run.
0: Yeah, Alabama shut them them down pretty good. Alabama
1: held them to like 50 yards rushing. Now, they had like 250 yards passing, but Mm -hmm. Alabama held them to like 50 yards rushing. And that was the difference. But also like Tulane held them to like less than 100 yards rushing in that road game as well. That's the two Mm -hmm. tough road games Ole Miss has played. And in both games, the the other team has really held them down on the rushing side, and it's made it a – You know, either an Alabama win or a close game with Tulane. So I think that's the thing. We have to stop the run. we got to focus on Judkins, the the good running back, and, and limit him.
0: Well, Tulane was able to move the ball on him and score. I don't know that we're going to be able to do that. That's the thing. We may hold them down a little bit for a while. It may be another 20 to 10 in the first half. I just don't know if we can keep them under 40 for the entire game, and I don't see any way on God's green earth that we score 40 points against Ole Miss, even at home at night. I just don't.
1: They're not, they're not going to score 40 points.
0: I, I feel like we might have 20 in us, but I don't know that we, we hold them below 30, 35. I think it's going to probably be 38 to 18 or 38 to 20 or something like that.
1: So th- this is the other problem for us is the Ole Miss's defense is better. Than it's yes. been the last couple of years. They got yes. the, the defensive coordinator away from Alabama, and he's made them more fundamentally sound. They're better against the run than they have been. They limited Alabama to 2.9 yards per carry. They limited Arkansas last uh, week to 1.2 yards per carry.
0: Yeah, that's not going to get it.
1: Uh. Uh-uh. So the only team that really ran the ball against them was LSU, but LSU, you know. Most of it was the quarterback, Mm -hmm. and they also threw for 300 yards. So, Mm -hmm. um,
0: and they also also lost.
1: That's right. So, I think the, you know, we have to have a little more success in that running the ball, and we have to limit them running the ball. I think that's going to be a big thing in
0: this game. I feel like we need to decide immediately up front what is going to be our approach in this game and don't freak out and panic halfway through the first quarter and go oh no it's not working we got to completely change and do something that we didn't want to do right just go into the game saying let's figure out the two or three things that we think are going to work let's don't try to outsmart ourselves and say we're going to keep their offense off the field we're going to pass the ball and on first down all this. just just find something that works and pound on it And and you know what I mean. And don't I just I feel like what we've done on offense the last few weeks, maybe not the Georgia game, but other games, what we've done is decide to do a a kind of a sophisticated, multifaceted offense. We can't get it working for various reasons that we've touched on. And then we go back like once it's too late and try to do something simpler that we are more able to do, or go faster, which we're able to do better. And by then it's just too late. And the defense is worn down, and then we we do a penalty or a turnover or something. Now we at least yeah. we have been better about that. We didn't have a lot of penalties and turnovers the last two games. No, Georgia. And no, LSU. we didn't
1: have a turnover against LSU. We didn't have a lot of penalties, but you're right. We can't. We're not good enough, or talented enough, and explosive enough to have negative plays on offense. Yeah, we gotta. We have to eliminate those entirely. We have yes. to execute well and get positive yards. Right. We can't have penalties. We can't have sacks. We can't have, you know, tackles behind the line. We got to get positive yards. We can't be in third and ten every time. You know, we got to stay on schedule, get four or five yards on the first couple of downs, and then have a manageable third down.
0: And their quarterback Dart is having a good season. I mean, the Oklahoma State quarterback's got to be. Kid- we all said, "What are you doing?" Right when he went there, why would you go there and just sit on the bench? But Dart. He been thought playing- he would. He thought he would get it right. Yeah, well. But tell Darts playing well, 64% passing, 12
1: touchdowns, two interceptions. He's averaging 10 yards a carry running That's, the ball, and he's a good runner. Yeah. Which again, we're going to be in some of the situation we were in last weekend. Do you rush him like crazy? Do you control rush? It can. And this is the problem. If we stay in our rushing lanes and rush in a disciplined way, can we get any pressure? If we don't blitz, can we get any pressure? And if we yeah. blitz, there's going to be a bunch of one-on-ones and maybe guys Ugh. open
0: downfield. That's why I worry that they're going to score over thirty, if not forty, and it just makes mm-hmm. me very nervous. So yeah. Wasn't Jackson the uh, the big green rabbit in the Star Wars comics? I think pretty much so. Um, you're joking. You know he he does the
1: face paint to look like Anakin Skywalker, right?
0: No. That's yes.
1: Jackson oh. Dart does the face paint so he looks kind of like the Anakin Skywalker from the the middle prequel movie. Oh wow! Did not know that. Does that make you think less of him?
0: I would have preferred if you said he painted his face green to look like the rabbit from the Star Wars comics, because Jackson the Green Rabbit, the Green Space Rabbit, is awesome. Anakin Skywalker from the prequels is—I have no interest at all. Uh, so, what is your plan then? How do we—how uh, do we win this game, or at least stay in it?
1: I mean, I think the crowd and the and the defense can can play better and hold them down. They have not played incredibly well away from home. I think we can limit the run, hold down Judkins, make you know, tackle in space well. Again, hold them to field goals, force a few punts, and then when we have the ball, we have to make the plays. We gotta we gotta do some drives where we run the ball and keep them off the field. But also, we just need we need to score. Like we haven't been explosive at all on offense. Yeah, we gotta break some plays. And I think, you know, if if their offense is moving, we ha- we cannot be afraid to like bake a punt, onside kick, do something to take a possession away from them because
0: – Yeah, manufacture you know, they, opportunities.
1: That's right. When they have more firepower than us, like we can't play a straight game, we're going to lose. We have yeah. to cheat. We have to kind of steal possessions, mm-hmm. go for it a fourth down sometimes maybe because that's what we're going to have to do to you know keep them off the field and limit their scoring opportunities. But we really got to hold them to field goals and, and – uh, you know, play well in the red zone. I think that's a big
0: thing. Sounds like a familiar song that we've heard before mm-hmm. recently, and we'll see if we can do it better at home at night than we could in Death Valley. Probably can't do it any worse. Knock on wood. And no, I again, I think <laughs> we'll play Christmas. better. I, I'm yeah. going to say this. I'm going to be
1: there. I'm going to this game. Yeah, yeah. And I'm gonna. I will not have a voice on next week's podcast because I'm leaving <laughs> all in the field.
0: Good so. man. Good man. Well, I mean, yeah. We we just need to do what we were trying to do against LSU but at home maybe we can actually do it and i think if the i think if the players have more intensity on both sides of the ball and more focus cuz it didn't seem like they were really dialed in which seems to happen a lot when we go to LSU for some reason i don't know why but we always It's a seem tough to place like, to play <laughs> it is but they they, they just kind of get tentative and lose their focus really quickly and easily so all right well that was Old Miss. That's coming up Saturday at 6 o'clock Central. Be looking forward to that. Hopefully we we'll, won't embarrass ourselves and be proud of it. John, we've got a big thing coming up I want to mention really quickly. Um, we're finishing up our newest Auburn book. We haven't announced the subject of the book. We haven't announced the title. But those that follow me on Twitter will know that I've said a lot of trivia and thrown out some various trivia questions and trivia and little factoids over the last few months related to Iron Bowls. So just let that soak around a little bit, get an idea of maybe what's going on. But um, I think this is a really fun book. It's, it's really interesting. It was a ton of fun uh, doing the interviews with you when we were down in Auburn last year, did a bunch of research on this book. It was a lot of fun digging around in newspapers.com at some old newspapers on this book. And uh, I think we've found some really interesting information, some stuff that wasn't widely known or reported in previous articles along these lines. And so we are going to do a video in the next few days. We'll have to decide when it's available for us to do it. Between, between now and our next show maybe sometime, later in the week or over the weekend or something, we'll just do a quick YouTube video and we will announce the title of the book the subject of the book. We'll tell you some tidbits about the book. We'll show you the cover of the book and we'll show you how to go and find it on Kickstarter. Cause we're going to do an exclusive availability of it on Kickstarter in 2023, where you go on there and you can get a hard cover or a paperback of it signed by John and me. And we'll have it to you hopefully we plan to have it to you well before Christmas if you want to get it for a gift for somebody or something like that. That went really, that worked really well getting them out to people for the basketball book last last summer and fall. We want to do that again with a Kickstarter so that it'll be really easy to pick out exactly what you want and get it. And um, looking forward to that. So we'll have more information coming out about that later this week over the weekend, and then we'll talk about it on next week's podcast. It's exciting. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. So, oh, oh, and one important thing about it, the last couple of Auburn books we've done, we include the names of all of our patrons in like the first few pages. We we have like a couple of pages up front. Here are the patrons at the time of publication of the book. Well, this book is in final stages, about to be published. So if you would like your name included in this book or whatever little message you put on there. You need to jump on board the Patreon bandwagon now. Go to www.auwishbone.com, click on the big orange button, become a patron, put whatever name you want on there on in your name on the on Patreon, and I'll put it in the book. And uh, just, you can just three pages of Jones Barbecue and Footmaster. <laughs> That's pretty much what it was last time, so why not? Ain't nothing wrong with that. All right, well, now here, so do that. Now, here are the fine folks who are currently serving as patrons for our program. They include Samuel Salvatore, Phil Amthor, as always says. This is the worst! No! Uh, John always enjoys that one. It always makes me happy to see John enjoy that one so much. Um, uh, let's see. Boris the Tiger's burner account. Carl Von Drunker. Chris and Clinton Stewart. Uh, Logan Chilton. I definitely still hate Cal, but can I still hate UMass? I mean, I'm on to hating LSU at this point. Anne Kangian. Uh, betwe- oh. Um, Between his last round of comprehensive exams, midterm grading being due, and Auburn's performance on Saturday, uh, when Carroll says... How are you? Not great, Bob. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 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 Um, Bill Weathers, Bradley Blackman, David WDE Salmons, Esquire, Eric Morgan, Gary Grant, a.k.a. at KSC. Uh, If Carroll Shelby would have seen my friend David after the Texas A&M game, he would have said... I don't speak Italian, but he ain't happy. <laughs> I like that. That's from Ford versus Ferrari, one of my favorite racing movies. Oh, and by the way, if you like the racing and the racing movies and stuff, uh, Alan J. Porter and I review, have reviewed almost every major racing movie over at, uh, on our Open Wheel podcast at the White Rocket Entertainment podcast uh, page. So go over to whiterocket.podbean.com and you can find our reviews of everything from Grand Prix to uh the what was the one with Thor and uh Daniel Brühl uh that's the best one. I think that's the best one. Where he's Nikki it's Nikki Lauda against James Hunt. Oh it's so good. I've seen the movie uh Rush Rush. Yes. Yes, Rush. Rush. That one's so good. Grand Prix is great too. It's like the like the Doctor Zhivago of Formula 1 movies. Uh, let's see. Matt Flowers, Michael Kirshner, Rich Reimer, Richard Stevens, Steve Trawick, Susan Trewick, Trombone Tiger, Willie Carden, William Morgan, Alex Browns, Ben Bloodworth, Bleeds Orange and Blue, Calibrating My Fun Meter at the back booth of...
1: Jones Barbecue Foot Massage!
0: That's right. Uh, Chris Hilton celebrating the end of Auburn's... Potato... Famine. We got a... We gotta get better at celebrating. I hope so. Chris Thrash, Dan Thompson, Daniel Odom, Earl Ricks, Bobby, um, Frosty! <laughs> just love that. Harry Zagger. Oh no, we got another. We got another one. Here we go. How do farmers party? They turn up the beats. Oh, oh! It hurts. It's painful. H Town, Danny. I ordered a chicken and an egg from Amazon. I'll let you know. Sev seventy six Tiger Esquire, a uh, sleazy shyster for.
1: Jones Barbecue Foot Massage.
0: I'm going to go get something else to drink here in a second. Jacob and Robin Fleming, Catherine England, Kevin Smith, Lane Middleton, Mickey B. No one fights like Gaston. Algo Rhythm and Blues, Paul Miles, Rusty Owen, Shane Bailey. Spanky says I am at the bottom of this list because that's right. Plus Steve Harlan, Theodore Geary, Thorne hit them in the worst spot. Their hands. That's probably true. Todd Robinson, Warhammer six. I don't think they have a good spot. Uh, WDE Richie says uh, it's, it's Ole Miss hate week. Tonight's forecast. A freeze is coming. Yeah, I hope so. Wiggle Weagle, Wes Atkinson, Wilson Beard, Winston Body, Auburn Blue, Blake Heron, Boris the Tiger, What Brandon Smith, Carter Glaus, Colby Butler, Corey Smyre, David D. David Simpson, Di Bama, who is also at Jones
1: barbecue foot massage.
0: That's right. Uh, Very popular hangout this week. Josh Teal, Just Wait Till Next Year. Kevin Mahan, I'm afraid we may be saying Just Wait Till Next Year. Luther and Kelly Ottaway, Melissa Blackstone, Papa Todd, Patrick Williams, and our one-time and anonymous donors! Pausing the sleaze jokes out of respect for the season, but just know I'm still thinking it. He's probably thinking it even more right now. Philip Martin, Randall Walker, Rob Morgan, Russell Milling, Sarah Hines, Sasquatch, Shannon Butson. Spider-Man has a winter jacket made of Mediterranean flatbread. It's called a Peter Parker. (laughs) Steven Houston, Tim Pittman, Timothy, Tony Perry, Weagle87, Woody the Jag, at the Mad Reaper Pepper Company on Instagram, Alex Nguyen, a hey, you falling up? Ben Amos, Ben Regis, Brent Rumble, Brian Albanese, Charles Mooney, and finally Chris Como, Chris Braun, Clay Henson, Construction Tiger, Daniel Barnett, Darren Pyle, Elizabeth Donald. We uh we gotta get better at celebrating. I'll buy this for a dollar, James Taylor, Jim McCrory, Joey Miller, JT Jarhead, Justin Bean, Kenneth Brent Rain says the barbecue. You have failed me for the last. Time. AKA Auburn Dad for Life. Mark Squire, MVP, captivating Kathy Bright. You don't have any friends. My favorite button. Oh, sorry, Gollum. My favorite button on the remote is pause. I am Tiger. Please clap. New York Tiger says beat the lame train and may Bama hire that knucklehead when Sabin retires. War Eagle. Uh, Paul Bankson, Rich Hammett, Royce Alvarez, Russell Souther, Ruth and Darren Sutherland, Sports Illustrated's Auburn Elvis, Stephen Thompson, the Slinko family, Tim Sauls, Trevor Johnson, War Eagle Delvin. Where does Auburn go to get its orange uniforms at New Jersey? (laughs) Why are you booing John? He's right. Plus our one-time and anonymous donors. Go to www.auwishbone.com. And remember, go to www.auwishbone.com. If you want to have your name in the new book, uh, let's see. There was no Formula One race this weekend, so all the numbers stay the same. Let's check in on the SEC Pick'em contest. The leaderboard is led by Van's favorite sound
1: clip, Frosty, followed by <laughs> Frosty, <fun meter> cal- <laughs> followed by, and I think that is Van's favorite sound clip right now. It's becoming it right now. Fun meter Calibration and Bill Miner, the fifty-eight, fifty-seven. Uh, correct picks. Comparatively, there's a couple of t- people at 56, some groups at 55. Van and I are tied at 53 correct picks. We're, we're on the hunt. We're coming for you at the top of the leaderboard. But it's been a really good competition. And uh, If you're a patron, jump on in there. Make your picks. We'll see what happens. We're only
0: five picks down now. I feel pretty good about things. We're hanging around. Halfway through the years, a lot of games left to play. I had to climb a good ways up from my terrible start, but now we're even and we can start climbing up there and challenging these Johnny-come-latelys and neer wells That's good. That's it. Uh, guess the game remains on hiatus. Just to taunt uh, Jared because it's fun. He sent me a nasty tweet last week because I said I said it just It just cracks me up because I feel bad for him, but yet it's funny because we're giving him a break. He's not having to work his tail off. He's getting a nice little break. He's still getting mentioned. He's still getting his airtime. But um, but I said yeah I, I, to save time in the show we 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 paused the we paused the on hiatus to guess the game and then I added a whole new seg- segment that takes up at least as much time so it didn't really accomplish anything and it was basically the equivalent of flipping me off which was fair enough, I'll take it I'll I'll take the hit for that but that's because we had this new segment It's the worst It's the worst, John it's our weekly collection of the scalawags, ne'er-do-wells, and dimwits that collectively constitute the worst coaches in the world. And I only have one for us this week, John. There weren't a lot to choose from. I looked at Deion Sanders after blowing a 29 to nothing lead to Stanford in your own stadium. But you, do you know, I have to give old prime time some credit because when the in the press conference he was everything you'd want your coach to be I was shocked he he said and and it and this is what did it for me that made me say you know what he's not he's he's got it together a reporter asked him about Kelly the defensive coordinator who left who who basically you know oversaw that collapse and Dion said, "No, no, no! Blame me. Point your fingers at me. I'm the head coach," and I, I would not have expected Dion Sanders to do that. But he's like, "No, don't blame Kelly. Blame me." And um, and then he went on to elaborate on it. And I was very impressed. So you got yourself off the list, Dion. I'm putting Charles Kelly on instead. Charles Kelly, you are the number two worst coach in the world this week. But number one, that spot is reserved. For our old friend, the $75 million man in College Station, Jimbo Fisher. Jimbo, you were already the worst coach in the world even before this week. But when a school has spent two-plus seasons contemplating if it was worth like $75 million to pay you to go away, and they're like, you know, maybe it is, that's not good. I mean, we wrung our hands over giving Gus 20 to $25 million to go away. This is like three times that. And A&M is like, I know they've got the money, but still, it's just such a terrible look. A&M's like, you know, maybe we ought to just write him a $75 million check. Let him go buy an island like, like a Bond villain and live on some island of Volcano Base. They're, believe me, they're thinking about it right now. That's bad. Who did they play this week? I, I lost track of they it. They lost
1: I, at Tennessee.
0: They lost at Tennessee. It is another one of those they're in the game. Mm-hmm. But they just couldn't close the deal. So, I mean, they're what? 3 and 3 now probably? They lost to Miami, they lost to Tennessee, they lost to Alabama. That's at least three losses right there. Yeah, they're 3 That's
1: and it. 3. So, and, and again, they still got to play Ole Miss and LSU and, and um,
0: somebody else good too. They're not going to beat LSU.
1: No, because, again, we talk about the rock, paper, scissors thing. Mm. A&M's biggest weakness is their secondary. LSU is going to torch them.
0: Oh, they're going to torch them. I mean, they might score more points on LSU than they score on anybody else, but they're going to lose like 70 to 50. It's going to look like that Ole Miss game. Mm-hmm. So, Because they're going to send that big pass rush against that quarterback, and he's just going to run around him and go for 80-yard touchdown.
1: you are going to throw it over their heads.
0: We're throw it over their heads. That's right. That's it. That's all I had to say. Jimbo Fisher, now and forever, you are the worst coach in the world. What if for
1: Jimbo, we could do like the... The old six million dollar man sound effect, like you know, and then like anytime we talk about Jimbo, we're we're playing something like that. I'm just throwing do
0: it out there. I like it. I like it very much. Yeah, every time Jimbo runs, it's in slow motion with that sound effect going on. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. That's good. All right. Well, there's only one thing to do now at this point. Thank you. Order questions to the prime minister. It's
1: time for listener questions. Start dawn dawn on the A U Wishbone podcast.
0: All right. And what's in the old mailbag this week? Wow. All right. this,
1: this email was sent, I think, while the game was still going on. Mm. Um, from uh, listener Samuel Salvatore. It says, "Hello, guys at War Eagle." What did Auburn do during the bye week? Smoke weed every day?
0: Mm, mm, smoke weed every day. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for that one, uh, He Samuel. says,
1: my gosh, how embarrassing a performance. Um, our next email is from a listener, Trey Jackson, who says, semi-serious question for the PM. Is he trying to win games on offense this season or running an offense he wants three years from now as a recruiting strategy? Are we worried that a run-focused offense makes it harder to develop a passing offense long-term?
0: No, I mean, all of that's legit. Those are legitimate questions. I don't know the answer, but they're legitimate questions.
1: I truly believe we could win more now with a run-focused, pass-less offense, but they're not going to do that because it will hurt them in recruiting. No, I agree. I I believe that.
0: Yeah, I think so.
1: Which is, and it, again, as an Auburn fan, that's a tough pill for me to swallow that we are not doing what I believe will help us, give us a better chance to win the game this week. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a t- that's, that's tough. Mm-hmm. Um, question from Doc Crackham, who says, so my question this week is roughly the same as my last one. How much of this game's issues are to blame to coaching? We looked ill-prepared and flat from the jump. The defense didn't have any edge or energy, and Freeze looked like he knew we couldn't win that game. We had two weeks to prepare, and that was what we showed. We couldn't get lined up right on the first freaking drive. Is it Thorne? Is it the position coaches? Is it Freeze spending too much time recruiting? We need to get out of this hamster wheel and stop blaming talent. Scheme the guys open, coach them up, do your job, have energy, and for goodness sake, just look competitive.
0: Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. I. I mean, I, there there are no answers that we're going to pull out tonight, but but everybody's everybody's right on it, though, just like what we were saying earlier.
1: All right. I, and this this next email is from Josh Corbett, who says, One simple question. He says, John Van, after LSU, I'm under the impression the staff needs to bench Thorne and build around Robbie. I know he has his flaws, but so does Thorne. I do think Robbie, with his athletic ability, will give this team a wrinkle that teams have to prepare for. Who do you all think should start and play the entire game War Eagle, and the 2012 stats that this team is compared to just show how bad this offense has played this year.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I I keep saying, though, keep comparing this year's team to 2012, and I'll just keep reminding you that the 2013 team played for the National Championship with just a couple extra players. But um, I I don't know. I mean, it's funny because on Twitter and stuff, just as people were saying, oh, just get rid of Thorne and and bench him and play Robbie, Thorne drove us down the field for a touchdown and a two-point conversion. So it's it's not like Thorne didn't do anything in that game. He started terrible and he had some terrible moments, but he also had some of the best moments in the game. So it's like what do you I don't know how to react to that.
1: I don't know. Again, I think their Robbie is on not running the same offense that Thorne is. Robbie is running yeah. a very small subset of the offense. Yeah. So, you know, he looks good because the it's the plays he's in, right? That he can execute he knows what to do and they're suited for him and his skills. It's not the whole offense. Thorne is running the whole offense. He's looking at the, you know, adjusting the plays. I think there are plays that uh, the coach and, and Montgomery want to run that they don't think Robbie can run. And I think that's why Thorne's a starter, because um, they don't think Robbie right now can do the things that Thorne can do in terms of making decisions and getting the distributing the ball to the right people. But I think some of that is like the, you know, in practice or on the chalkboard or whatever else, and when the games start and things are falling apart around him and guys can't get open, what can you do? Um, I don't know. I, you know. I think Thorne made some plays in the LSU game, but this is the other part, okay, and whether it's Thorne or Robbie, other teams know that we can't throw the ball. It's not a yeah. secret. That's yeah, right. We are who we are. And so defenses are playing us in a way where they're daring us to throw the football now. They're bringing everybody up, playing the run primarily. that's what, It makes it harder for us to run. This is related to the Jarquez discussion we had earlier. It's harder for us to run now because teams know we have to run mm-hmm. because they are not afraid of our passing game. It, it hasn't burned anybody, so why be afraid of it? So we, the way out of this trap is play thorn and complete some passes down the field. Right, I mean that's that's easier said than done, and it hasn't happened yet. And until it happens, it's just a theory. Um, So I get it. I, again, I believe what I said. I think we could play Robbie and run the offense in the end of last year and have more success. But we're not doing that because it would hurt us in recruiting.
0: Yeah, that's it.
1: Um, Our next email is from Bill Miner, who says, "Guys, obviously, Ole Miss has a personality as a coach that many love as their own, but others love to hate on." This leads me to ask, which Auburn football coach could be head coach, coordinator, or position coach, do you love the most? He says, I love Gus even to this day, just for his mannerisms and demeanor, even though others may not agree, Bill.
0: Oh, I always loved Gus. There was no doubt about that. I've said forever that he was... Great, and I and I just we we all we always said we wanted him to succeed. We were never like yeah. fire Gus because we hate him. We were like, no. if he can't get it done, then yes, but we really wish he could be the one to get it done for sure. But I mean, Pat Dye will always be up there on Mount Rushmore for me in terms of first,
1: mm hmm, agree. And I again, I, I love Pat Dye because he instilled toughness at Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, when we needed it and, and made a difference that way. And then also, I, I mean, the other thing I love about Gus is that he was, you know, I think he's a good human being, which is rare among a lot of football coaches. And I think he's also just a giant dork, yeah. um, which I appreciate. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I would I got to think about this some more. I And I mentioned if there's somebody the listeners think of. I mean, I, there's some other coaches we've had.
0: Well, assistant coaches, coaches that we didn't really talk coaches. about. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I mean – We've had, uh, we've had some very colorful assistant coaches all up and down the line. Um, I mean, I, I'm, one, it's not hard. I, it's Carnell. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I love what he's done as a position coach, and I loved when he was
1: the acting head coach last year. I think he represents the university well, and, and, and but also is good at his job.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. Just a good guy, mm-hmm. an inspirational guy.
1: Um, all right. Last question from Scott uh, Crankton, and he says, Gentlemen. With pitchforks in hand and torches lit, does Auburn bench its leading rushing rusher, Peyton Thorne? Respectfully, Scott Crankton.
0: Wow, that's just true. <sighs> yeah, I mean, maybe he should be running more often. Maybe we need to be running the, uh, the, the triple option with him or something.
1: You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. While we were saying that, I went and triple checked, and he is right. Peyton Thorne is the leading rusher on this team.
0: That should never be, but yeah. And that's In right.
1: total yards, mm-hmm. he's the leading rusher on the team. That is insane, okay?
0: Well, Robbie hasn't really had a big breakout rushing game because they key on him, and the running backs are dividing it up amongst themselves. So Thorne kind of has the first team non-running back room rushing to himself. You know what I mean? Like he... He exclusively commands that entire box, you know.
1: Some portion of these rushes were supposed to be passes that turned into rushes because he ran. Right? Oh yeah, oh yeah. But, but also, he's the second most carries on the team behind Jarquez. Thorn has 50 carries and Robbie has 32.
0: Wow, yeah, dual threat. Old dual threat Peyton Thorne. I again, I think we, I if. He can run the ball. We need to take
1: advantage of it. We, he needs to be carrying the ball four or five times a game just to keep the defense on
0: his heels. What would our, it's
1: something else we can do.
0: Right. What would our offense look like this year if we still had Bo Nix? Well,
1: I think we probably would have attracted some better quality receivers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I watched that Oregon-Washington game on Saturday. He was great.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, people that were jumping all over him that first year when he a freshman just – Still to my, still boggle my mind. I, he was a freshman. He played at the swamp at at LSU. Okay. Yes. Tough places to
1: play for veteran quarterback.
0: And he won at, at LSU in twenty well, twenty one. Yeah, not tw- not nineteen. Almost, almost in nineteen. So. That was a weird game. Is that it? That's it for listener questions. That's it for listener questions. Everybody aboard the automobile.
1: Around the SEC. There they are.
0: So, week seven around the SEC. Georgia beat Vanderbilt, though it was closer than it had a right to be. And what was the big news that came out of this game a week t- or two weeks too late? Brock Bauer injured. He's going to miss you know, maybe
1: three to six weeks.
0: Mm-hmm. Couldn't have gotten hurt before our game. Had to wait until no. after it. No, but also, you know, they got to play at Tennessee. They got to play Missouri.
1: They got to play Florida, Jacksonville, in a couple weeks. So those games are more interesting now.
0: Don't have to play Ole Miss. Don't have to play Texas. They, no, they A&M, do have to. Actually, they do have to play Ole Miss. Ole Miss goes to Athens. But they really? Don't
1: play LSU or Alabama? Yeah. Ole Ala- Miss goes
0: to Athens. Georgia Ole Miss is like one of those we never see that combinations. When does they? When do they ever play each other? Never. The, in fact, you know, if I were going to say what were, what are like the three or four matchups that we never never see, it would be Ole Miss Georgia. It would be like Mississippi State Florida or, or A&M Florida. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Or <laughs> Auburn Missouri. <laughs> Auburn Missouri, yeah, no doubt. Although we did play them last year, but uh not enough for my taste. Uh, Alright, let's see. Alabama beat Arkansas 24-21. I didn't get to see that game. I was actually at a, at a kind of a funeral thing all Saturday until the, until our game, so I didn't get to see much. I watched a good bit of this game. Again, uh, Arkansas
1: is missing their uh, their good running back, but their quarterback was heroic in this game. He did a lot. And Alabama is, you know, has a good defense, but offensively, they're the worst rushing team that Saban's ever had. Mm. And their passing game is basically like chuck it and hope somebody's down there. That's Mill throw it deep, and you know, one of those guys will go get it. That's basically their offense, and then you can play good defense. That's this Alabama team. And Arkansas you know, played good defense and, and came back. I think it was like 24-7, to 7 and Arkansas came back and made it competitive, uh, but not enough.
0: Well, I was going to say what, what you described Alabama doing is often enough. Mm-hmm. The only time it didn't cool. work so far was Texas.
1: Yeah, their defense is is pretty good.
0: I'm gonna say that. Tennessee beat Texas A&M 20 to 13. That's another one of those another one of those close losses for A&M. You just really got to hate it for them. I was just all torn up and so sad. But uh, I don't know that Tennessee necessarily won that game as A&M just couldn't quite get over the hump. They get stuck in one score and, downville.
1: And again, Tennessee is twenty thirteen. and Tennessee had a kick return I think for a touchdown and a, um, another big special teams play where they downed it at the one. Yeah. So, in a close
0: game like that, that's that's the difference. Team winning, team winning. Florida South Carolina, forty-one thirty-nine. Again, another game I wish I could have watched. Um, Carolina continues to be like a and m, just not quite. Just not quite. They're like a step below last year, and that's enough to make them lose these games close rather than win them close. And Florida got this quarterback
1: away from Wisconsin, who I said in the preseason was terrible, yeah. and he tore South Carolina up in this game, Graham Mertz.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. That's uh, Ethel and Fred's grandson, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Missouri beat Kentucky 38-21. I did not see Van, that coming.
1: Van, the second best team in the SEC East is Missouri. Yeah. I That's have, the game Georgia should be worried about.
0: I may have picked Missouri to win this game in the pick'em just because of momentum coming off of Kentucky getting their tails whipped by Georgia. But honestly, I'm surprised that Missouri won by 17. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Well, <laughs> um, Week 8 is coming up. Mississippi State at Arkansas at the 11 o'clock time slot of death. What do you think about that game? I mean, that's two teams really hurting for a win, really looking for something. That's it. it. Somebody's got to win. Whether you like it or not, boys, somebody here, you can't be 0-0 tie. Somebody's got to win. Listen, Mississippi State's looking at that game
1: like, we got to get an SEC win. This is our shot. This is our big chance, boys. Banged up coming off the Alabama game, but it's at Arkansas. Um, I think that it's going to be enough. Mississippi State is – their defense is not the same as it's been the last few years. They're not great. So I think Arkansas could do it.
0: feel bad for that quarterback. I, I don't know why he mm-hmm. stayed there. He should have gone. He could have gone to Ole Miss and sat on the bench with all the other quarterbacks that aren't getting to play at Ole Miss. Um, let's see. South Carolina at Missouri. That's a good game. Oh, I missed Tennessee, Alabama. Yeah, the 230 CBS. Tennessee at Alabama. If it was at Tennessee, I'd be a little more intrigued. I'm still going to try to watch it if I can, but it's the revenge know.
1: game for last year, right, when yeah. Alabama went up there and Tennessee beat them to the storm of the field. So
0: I don't know that Tennessee has quite enough. This is the kind of game that Alabama rises up. They'll play really good defense the whole time, and they'll hit like two 70-yard bombs yep. to one of those receivers, it. And, it, and they'll win 14-10 to 10 or something.
1: 20-17, to 17, yep.
0: Yeah. That's exactly that's, what's going to happen. That's it. All right, South Carolina at Missouri. is a, is a pretty intriguing game, too. Because Missouri, like we were saying, Missouri's looking – they're just can't quite – I mean, uh, South Carolina is trying to get over the hump, can't quite get over the hump. Have they got a shot? I mean, I feel like they got a shot against Missouri. It could be a shootout
1: again. It would be another one of these Missouri games. It's like 43-40, and then maybe South Carolina can go in there and do it. But they're they're still reeling from the last couple of games.
0: Another Missouri boat ride. And then, let's see – The 6 o'clock Central ESPN night game is Ole Miss at Auburn. We've talked about that one already pretty much. And the Army invades LSU at 6.30 on the SEC network. Um, I don't have a lot of hope for the Army there unless they can run the triple option and grind it out and just never let LSU's offense on the field, which is not entirely inconceivable. I want
1: to break it to you, but they're giving up the triple option pretty much. Oh, man.
0: What are they doing at Army then if they don't do the triple option? I, they're
1: running some variations of it, but honestly the they've changed the blocking rules in college football mm-hmm. where it makes it harder to block outside the tackles at the angles that work yeah. that really
0: work for the triple option. So That's really sad. That's depressing. It is. All right. Well there's your games. I mean it's not a stellar I mean stellar, stellar SEC week. We got Auburn Ole Miss will be good at night to kind of wrap yep. things up. Uh, but you do have the. Um, I think Mississippi State, Arkansas is a is a low level, interesting, even matchup. Tennessee, Alabama will be fun. I mean, again, South Carolina, Missouri. These are all kind of like teams on a kind of a par with each other. So there's no obvious mismatches. Uh, so it will be fun.
1: And then the uh, the non conference game of the week is the noon slate, uh, 11 a.m. Central, Penn State at Ohio State on Fox.
0: Why is it that the Big Ten and the Big 12 have their big, giant matchups at, like, noon or 11 o'clock in the morning? TV money. Because they don't want to compete with the SEC at 2.30 or no, whatever? It, uh,
1: but No, part of it is that I think the three or four years ago, I think Fox in particular made a strategic decision – that the noon slate was underutilized, that there weren't enough big games at that time slot. And if you put big brands in that time slot, they'll get real numbers Mm -hmm. instead of trying to put them all at night or whatever. And so they do it. It works. They played Penn state, Michigan, Ohio state, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, Texas, Oklahoma, other big games in that time slot. And it works. And Penn state, Ohio state is going to have a gazillion people. watching. It's going to be a good football game. These are two, you know, top 10 teams. And it's going to be not the shootout that, Oregon-Washington was, that was as good a football game as we've had this year. But this is going to be a, you know, another really good game with two really good teams.
0: Well, there it is. There it is. Um, one more week of, uh, of, of fun and action in the SEC. Six o'clock, Auburn-Ole Miss. It's at night. Jordan Harris is going to be rocking more than it has been all season, I think even more than it was for the Georgia game. I think that there's real emotion, real animosity with Lane Kiffin, with Ole Miss with Hugh Freeze against Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze. And it's just there's a lot of interesting storylines. The, the players wanting to redeem themselves, I think they were probably embarrassed and they had to come back home and read their own press clippings. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how this team and this coaching staff and how the fans snap back and respond. But
1: also I would just say, Van, the season is flying by. <sighs> Enjoy every moment. Enjoy every Saturday because soon it will be gone and we will miss it.
0: This is so true. It always goes this way. We know it, and it's just, it always does. All right, our time is up. We thank you for yours. War Eagle, John. Ring of van.
1: Thanks for listening to the Wishbone Podcast. All past episodes are available at auwishbone.podbean.com and via iTunes. For more Auburn fun, join us on Facebook at facebook.com auwishbone and follow the show on Twitter at auwishbone. War Eagle.
0: This has been a White Rocket Entertainment production. Thank you for listening to the AU Wishbone Podcast. Go to bed.